Luke chapter number 11, verse number 1. And it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Teach us to pray, just like John taught his disciples. I want to know how to pray. As I said last week, it is my lifeline in this relationship with God. Uh, we covered a lot of things last week, but the last thing that we did cover was that prayer helps build my faith, and prayer helps continue my relationship with Him, keeps the spiritual blood flowing, and uh, we need prayer. And so it is important that we <clears throat> have a consistent prayer life. If we are going to be successful in the kingdom of God and we're going to be used by God, I would hopefully be able to be safe in saying that all of us want to be used by God in some form or fashion. But in order to make sure that we are ready and available for him, we've got to have a consistent prayer life. In fact, I'm just going to back up and say everything in our walk with God should be consistent in every aspect, in how we walk and how we talk, how we think, how we operate on a regular basis. We ought to make sure that everything is consistent. Um, when, when something's wrong, it's always wrong. When God convicts you of something, I'm always convicted of this thing. God doesn't convict you of something for a season. God always convicts you for something, something in your life, of something in your life for the rest of your life. God's dealing with you about something. You need to take notice of those things. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, my approach in life, I do my best. If I would ra rather, I would rather tighten up as I go through life than tighten up so much and then start relinquishing what I have believed early on to say this is true. Uh, the reason I say that, just let's just say, um, let's say something, something completely useless, right? If 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 going outside and and watering the plants was wrong, we all know that's not wrong, right? But, but if, if there was something about watering plants that caused me to sin, then I would have to be convicted of that on a personal level. I can't imagine what there would be in watering plants. But you just imagine anything. Watching YouTube videos. Okay, consider that with me. If, if, there, if watching YouTube videos causes you to stumble and fall, fall into sin and you end up into pornography just because you allowed things to progress and then you were like, you know what, I want to see more of that. Look, we're all human, okay? And we got to be careful of what we, we allow ourselves to delve into. Now, am I ready to say I'm, I'm getting rid of all, all of YouTube right now? No, I'm, I don't feel that way. But we ought to be able to use the principles in the scripture to, to abide by those types of things in our life. Does it make sense this morning? And, and our prayer life helps us, to, uh, helps us to 
make those decisions and helps us to consistently abide by those decisions that we've made in our life. And so here we are. We need that consistent life of prayer so that I can have a strong spiritual man. Um, I've said it a hundred times, probably more than that at this point, but if you're going to fast, which is denying your flesh of what it desires and what it absolutely needs to survive, I'm denying myself fleshly, physically, but if I'm only doing that, then I'm, I'm just starving my man. Maybe I'm doing it for health reasons, whatever. But if you want to do it in a spiritual light, you have to fast to kill the man and your will, and you have to pray to strengthen the spiritual man. And I want to make sure that I'm consistently feeding the spiritual man. I want to make sure I'm, I'm feeding the good spirit that's in me, not the evil spirit. Um, Luke chapter 22 and verse number 31 <clears throat> Luke 22, verse 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Now this is Jesus talking to Simon Peter. This is before he went into heaven. He's speaking to Simon and he's, and, and Simon is, in, I believe this is actually before his crucifixion. And Jesus looks at Simon and he says, Simon, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to take you for all that you're worth, if you'll let me put it in my own words this morning. But verse 32, but Jesus looked at him dead in his eyes. If you'll let me use my imagination for a minute. He looked at him dead in his eyes, Sister Rini. He says, Jesus speaking, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now let me ask you a question. In this passage of scripture, Jesus taught us something here. He said, he said Simon, I want you to understand, Satan wants to devour you. Satan wants to sift you for all that you're worth. He wants to, he wants to put you through uh, all kinds of stuff to see if you're really made of the stuff I think you're made of. He wants to try you. He said, but I prayed for you that your faith doesn't fail. And then he stated this. When you are converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, Jesus just strengthened the Apostle Peter in this instant, right? By, by saying, hey man, I, I prayed for you that your faith don't fail when you're going through these troubles. And Jesus told him, he said, you need to do the same thing for your brothers. How am I going to strengthen my brothers? By praying for them. By reaching out to God. But not only will my brother's prayers strengthen me, my prayers will strengthen them. It is prayer that gives us the power to overcome the enemy of our soul. Prayer is our greatest weapon against the devil and our greatest defense against his attacks on us. 
Prayer helps us understand the power of God. And it also gives us confidence that God will protect us and will keep us. If you go to Ephesians chapter 6, I'm, I'm not going to go there, but you can look at this later. If you go to Ephesians chapter 6, the apostle Paul was telling the church at Ephesus, he said, look, wherefore take on the whole armor of God so that you may resist the devil. And then after he names all of the aspects of the, of the, of the armor of God, you know what he said directly after that? Praying always. I'm gonna, I want to read that at least to you. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6 is where it is. He said, Praying always with all prayer and supplication and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all of the saints. Praying, you can take on all of the armor of God, but it's going to do you no good if you're not praying. You're not going to have the strength to use it. How, how you know, if you, if you take a young man, in fact, the Muslims, it's a well-known fact that they take kids as young as seven and eight years old and they put Uzis in their, in their hands and they take them out there and train them in, in military maneuvers at that young age. Why? Because they understand the practicality and the necessity of training them at a young age. And it is important that we, at a young age in our walk with God, all right, can I put it that way? We are reborn. So as we're growing in God, we need to learn how to use the whole armor of God. But the only way that we can do that is if we're praying always on a regular basis. Praying helps us stay. You want to stay, you're going to pray. Prayer keeps the power of God alive in us, and it is God's power within us that gives us power over the devil. 1 John 4 and 4 says, You are of God, little children. And have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We need to make sure that we're taking on his spirit on a regular basis. We've got to pray. There's no excuse. We've got to pray. Prayer is what helps us win the battle. And we're going to have battle after battle after battle in our lives. A consistent life of prayer contributes to our spiritual consistency. Amen. I said it a while ago. We need to be consistent in everything concerning the kingdom of God. Matthew 26 and 41 tells me, watch and pray, that you enter not into temptation. This is why we have to pray, because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Can I get a witness on that? My flesh desires the things that it enjoys, but not always is the things that my flesh enjoys helpful to my spiritual man. And I've got to allow God to change me. And the only way that I can abstain from temptation is through praying. 
watching and praying. Consistent prayer helps us to walk faithfully with God. Consistent prayer to God creates a consistent walk with God. Consistent prayer keeps us from allowing circumstances to dictate or order the direction in which we are going. I want to be spiritually happy, but in order to do that, I've got to pray. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We also know that the Holy Ghost, the kingdom of God, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So in order for us to have joy in our life, we've got to be filled with His Spirit. But in order to be filled with His Spirit, we've got to consistently pray. We need His spiritual DNA flowing through our veins on a regular basis. Prayer keeps everything in its proper perspective. Spending time in the presence of God transforms our thinking. It changes, can I say it this way, it changes our perspective. It gets our eyes off of what's here around us and it puts us our eyes upon Him and He's the one that sees the bigger picture than anybody else in our life. He knows the end from the beginning. Consistent prayer keeps our flesh under subjection to the Spirit of God. Prayer keeps us under subjection to His Spirit. Galatians 5 and verse 16 says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Jumping down to verse 25 of the same chapter, if we live in the Spirit, the Apostle Paul said, let us walk also in the Spirit. It is imperative that we walk with God and we walk according to His guidance. Prayer is a place of spiritual growth and spiritual development. If we're always the same as we've always been, even after receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, we are not growing spiritually and something is keeping us from moving forward. It's not the will of God that we stay spiritually small and infants. We need to grow up and we need to go beyond the infant stages of just obtaining milk from the Word of God. But at some point, Sister Rini, Brother, Brother, Brother Tuffy, Brother Blue, Derek, we've got to make sure at some point, we start eating steak. I'm not going to the Lord's table to drink milk every time. But there's some steak, there's some filet mignons in this, in this book right here that we need to pick up and we need to be able to digest it. We can't do that as an infant. And what happens is God puts us through things in our life. And if we're consistently praying like we should be, and we're consistently seeking the face of God like we should be, then we are going to grow. We're going to, we're going to start. In fact, I, I saw a video of a lady that was so irate. She was upset, and rightfully so. And, and I, I, I've, I've been seeing this on a regular basis with, with the, I don't know what you call them, Gen Zs, I don't know, um, raising kids today. They want, they want to help the kid, and they want to, they want to do all the things for the kid. 
but they don't want to put the kid in the floor and let him roll around and figure out how to strengthen themselves. Some, some babies, even today, um, a lot of them will put them in those uh, bumbo seats. Is that what you call them? Um, those, those little, um, yeah, it, it's just, well, yeah, and then they'll put them in jumpers or they'll just, and they'll leave them there all, all as long as they can because it's inconvenient to keep up with the little kid. The problem with that is, if they're not in the floor, they're not developing their hip muscles. They're not developing the, their core strength to roll over. Does that make sense? And so they want their kids to be walking by a year old, a little over a year old, right? That's about natural. Is, is a child will, will begin walking around a year old, a little over. and uh, But first, before they can start walking, they have to crawl because they have to develop muscles. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm not just trying to teach child development, right? But you got to understand, everything that a child does, you don't just, you don't just go from breast milk to steak and potatoes and all of that stuff. Why not? Well, they don't have teeth, but you can grind it up and you can give it to them. But their, their, their digestive system hasn't developed, and they're not used to that food. So what you do is you go from breast milk or formula, and you start feeding them baby food, right? And that starts introducing some portions of real food versus pulverized food. And then as, you, as they grow older, you start feeding them bread and you start feeding them soft stuff that they can, they can start working on. And, and, and eventually what happens is by the time they're two, three, what's that? Tito's. They, they stuck on those things. But what you're doing is you're training their, their body to adjust to these types of elements. They're growing. But we as parents, we have to consistently continue to make sure that we're doing the right things for our children. It's not okay. It's not comfortable for that baby. It's not comfortable for mom and dad to hear that baby fuss and cry because that baby wants to get up out of the floor and that baby wants to be held because that's what they're used to. But you've got to take the baby and take that baby out of its comfort zone and say, all right, I'm going to put you, what is it? They've got to be on their back and then roll over their, their belly. Is that right? Is that the hardest one? The first major rollover, I think they have to go from their back to their belly. And they don't like to be on their back. But you know you got to help them and strengthen them in those areas. And sometimes, as they grow older, after they've started walking, and they start getting into things, and they start hurting themselves, and then, believe it or not, you got the terrible twos. And you can think about all these things, right? Because we, we can all relate to them. Kids are getting into everything. They're not listening to what we're saying because they're trying all of the boundaries. And so you have to punish them. And you have to teach them why these boundaries are there. And why they can't go beyond these boundaries. You see the progression. First off, we got to have motor skills. we got to be able to know how to operate. But then when we learn how to operate, we got to figure out what the boundaries are in life. 
We got to let God deal with that. What does all this have to do with prayer? It has everything to do with prayer. Because that's your communication with the one who's training you. His spirit is what leads us and guides us. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, it is the will. It is, is the purpose of the spirit of truth or the Holy Ghost to teach you all things. That's what he wants to do. He wants to teach you truth. He wants to teach you the, 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 the quality of life that he has in store for you. But you've got to be willing to say, all right, God, maybe this isn't comfortable. But whatever you want from me. Prayer helps me submit to him. And then your brothers and sisters, they're praying for you. Or they should be. If you're not praying for your brothers and sisters in your church, shame on you. But you should be praying for each other. Because we need that strength. That was what Jesus told the apostle Peter. He said, when you, when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, he said, I want you to strengthen your brethren. Pray for them. And now that didn't stop with just Peter. That was a blanket command that Jesus gave him. Look, we are to strengthen one another. Fact, fact, Jesus said it in another place. He said, this is how men will know that you are my disciples for the love that you have one to another. Not for another, because for another is passive. You with me today? I'm not just I'm not just saying, man, I love Sister Rini. I love Brother Blue. And I don't have to do anything about it because I have love for them. But Jesus said that we have to have love to one another. You know what that tells me? We got to put some action behind the fact that we actually do love our brother and sister. And I've got to go out of my way to help my brother and sister. If I see them hurting, I'm going to go help them if I can. But if I can't, believe me, I'm going to be hitting my knees because I need to talk to the Lord about it. And we know that God is the only one that can step into any situation and make it absolutely right. Or can I get an amen, Mr. Mitch? That's <clears throat> all right. That's all right. I'll just ask for one every once in a while. <clears throat> Nobody's asking questions or making many comments, so yeah, it's all right. I hope you're 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 listening and and it's finding a good spot in your life. We need we need we need prayer, folks. I I can't operate without prayer. I when I when I don't understand what, why I feel in certain ways, dealing with certain situations. I have to go find a place to pray. God will answer me. God will give me peace about whatever. He'll give me direction. But I've got to be willing to reach out in prayer. <clears throat> prayer is a place of spiritual growth. It's a place of spiritual development. We've already talked about this. <clears throat> Quite a bit, but I, I want to delve into this a little bit more. Prayer is a place of preparation for your future. We should always spend time in prayer, submitting ourselves to the will of God for our lives. We've got to make sure that we are operating in the will of God for our lives. 
we should seek the Lord for direction and understanding to fulfill his will in our lives today. We've got to go beyond what we want and what we seek and seek God that we may know what his will is. I believe God wants you to know what his will is. But the first thing you've got to do is you've got to get beyond your will. You've got to let God begin to work in your life. <clears throat> we should pray. We should ask God to strengthen us and to prepare us for trials and temptations that may be coming our way. God knows what you're going to face. He knows it. Remember, he dwells in eternity. That means his house is eternity. You with me now? Meaning that if God dwells in eternity, that's kind of like me being in my house. You got my dining room, and you got my, my kitchen, and you got the living room. Now, I could be sitting in, in my chair in my, in my living room. I get up, and I can go over to the kitchen and grab some snack if I wanted to. I do a little bit too often. <clears throat> Jesus, help me. But just like I can get up from my chair and go into my kitchen and grab me a snack, God can get up from his chair in today and go into tomorrow and deal with whatever he needs to deal with there. And then he can finish there and he can go into yesterday and he can fix things that I messed up yesterday. Because that's where he dwells. That's his abode. That is his home. That is, that is where he lives. And so if he can do that, he knows what I'm going to face tomorrow. He knows the outcome of what I did yesterday. And he knows when in the future that's going to affect me. And you know, he can actually work on our behalf if we will seek him. Sometimes he said, no. <laughs> You're going to have to deal with that. You made that bed. You're going to lay in it. But sometimes God has mercy. If he knows it's going to be beneficial, he'll reach down and he'll change that situation. Now, you can look at it and you can say, woe is me. Why did God let me continue on through that? No. Uh, sometimes our decisions dictate where we end up. Most of the time, we know better. And can I dare say it this way? There are many times why we don't pray is because we know already what God's going to say. And then we start operating on forgiveness is easier to obtain than permission. Here's the thing. With God, I don't want to operate in that realm. Because that's playing with my eternity. I want to go to heaven, Brother Kevin. I want to spend eternity with him. And I don't want him to come. I don't want the trumpet to sound when I'm playing this forgiveness versus permission game with God. I want to make sure that I know of a surety when that trumpet sounds that I'm going to be caught up into the air to meet him. I want to know. And the reason, the way that I can know that is as long as I know I've got God's permission to move forward in certain things in my life. You say, well, what if it's not even a sin that you're, you're dealing with? Well, 
Let me tell you this. If you're not obedient to God, the Bible just simply says this. He that knoweth to do good, didn't say to not sin, that knoweth to not sin. He says, to him that knoweth to do good and does it not, to him that is sin. Does that make sense? And so if just doing something contrary to what I know is absolutely good, then I am sinning. If I go ahead and do it one time, and I knew it was wrong, I knew I shouldn't have gone that direction, but I went that direction against the fact that I knew God didn't want me to go that direction. That direction may not be a sin in and of itself, but I know what it's done to me in the past. Does that make sense? And so if I went that direction, I know that's not good. So to me, that's sin. That's not my opinion. That's what the scripture tells me. You know what else the scripture tells me? I believe it's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. Let me just check that out real quick before I tell you a lie. <clears throat> nope, not that one. Yeah, 2 Peter chapter 2, I wasn't far off, verse 22. I want to back up to verse 21, I don't have it in the notes. So. But for, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. In verse 22, Peter says this, but it, but it, is, but it is happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Peter's referring to those that God fills with the Holy Ghost, and they turn back to the things that they, God delivered them from. Does that make sense? He's talking to backsliders here. He's talking to those that have turned their back on God. And he's saying, look, if, 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 if you do that, you're just like what the Proverbs said. You're just like a dog who vomited and goes and licks it up. A sow that was just bathed and cleaned and just goes right back into the mud. They just go right back to the nastiness. But God knows what I'm going to face tomorrow. And if I walk with God and I'm talking to God, I can hear his voice. You with me today? Therefore, he knows what I need. And we can only get what we need by seeking what we need, not what we want. He knows our needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Prayer is a place of restoration. Prayer is a time that can take, that you can take before God all of your failures and your shortcomings and ask for his forgiveness and his help. Prayer is a time of honest confession during which you can find spiritual healing and renewal. 
You know what I like about this relationship that I have with God? Because Brother Tuffy, you know, I can't count on the fingers of both hands how many times that I've fallen on my face. Most of the time because of dumb decisions that I decided to make. But God had mercy on me. But he didn't extend the mercy until I went and found a place to pray and talk to him about it. And at that moment, God healed me spiritually. He renewed me. You know, I, I was I was thinking, God's I'm putting together another message on, on some other subjects and and uh just a scripture I came across last week and it's been eating at me. I think it was Monday or Tuesday, God. In fact, the scripture is simply this, uh, he that putteth his hand to the plow and turneth back is not fit for the kingdom of God. I'm working on, uh, I promise it's not going to be a negative message, it's just, hey, I, I want to encourage us, hey, I'm not here, I didn't start this journey to turn around and walk the other way when I almost make it to the end, right? That's my encouragement, but as I begin to think about it, begin to realize, you know, the way that I can make sure that I don't turn my head, I don't have time right now to, to delve into the, what I'm putting together, but, but you just got to think, just think about Lot's wife, what happened to her? She was told not to. Walk away from what God is about to destroy. Look, God's going to destroy sin. God's going to destroy this earth because of the sin that's in it. Can I put it this way? God's going to destroy the world, so therefore I need to remove myself from the world and not look back. Because if I do, that indicates where my heart's at. Well, in fact... What's even more funny is this morning I woke up. How many of you guys have the notifications from Uversion? It gives you your notification of the daily verse. You guys know what today's daily verse was? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Can I just put it in my, in my terms? Just, hey, whatever you're focused on and whatever you're worried about and whatever you're pursuing in life is where your treasure and where your, where your uh, uh, reward is going to end up being. Amen. <clears throat> prayer is a time when you can make things in your life right with God. In fact, prayer can be a time of receiving correction from God. Those aren't always fun times, but I pray to God that we respond in a positive manner when God begins to speak to us. I, I think of, I think of Eli. You guys know who Eli was, the high priest, when Samuel was born. In fact, he was the high priest that slapped Samuel's mom because he thought she was drunk in the house of the Lord. He said, look, woman, straighten up. 
And finally she's like, look, I'm not drunk, man. I'm just distraught because I can't have babies. And he prophesied to her, and she had a baby about a year later. And after she had weaned Samuel, he had come back to the house of the Lord, dwelt with Eli, worked in the house of the Lord. That was his, that was his calling. But I want you to consider with me, God couldn't speak to Eli anymore. But he could speak to Samuel. How many of y'all know the story of when, when Samuel said, when Samuel woke up in the night, because he heard somebody call, Samuel, Samuel. And he went into Eli and said, Eli, what do you need? But Brother Tuffy, he was the high priest. Consider with me for a minute. Why didn't he automatically know that God was speaking to him? Because Eli hadn't been speaking to God. Eli was a backslidden high priest because, you, because of what God told Samuel after Samuel finally said, here am I, Lord, speak to me. And you all know what God told Samuel? That he was going to strike Eli's sons and that Eli was going to die in the doorpost of the tabernacle. God sent judgment because the man wasn't praying. And he was trying to lead his people spiritually. I got a, I got a heavy job to do. <laughs> I got to make sure that I'm praying. And God forbid that I ever stand behind this pulpit up here and I begin to teach and to preach things that I'm not even living myself. Regardless of what, what I know I got to do, I need to be living it before I preach it. So I do make it a practice before I start preaching things behind the pulpit, or I start teaching things from the Word of God that I have made sure that I have applied it in my life. And most of the time, many, many years before I start preaching it to the church. I can promise you if I'm going to preach it and teach it to the church, it's not going to be based on my conviction, my personal conviction, but it's going to be based on what God shows me in the Word of God. Amen. So it's important that it's important that we get convictions from God. I don't want to downplay that. But it's important that we can back up what we say we believe with the word of God. Can I tell you something? God himself, the spirit of God, will not tell you something that you can't find in this book. Does that make sense? If he hadn't already said it in this book, he's not going to tell you something completely different. Look, God didn't overlook something and say, oh, man, I forgot. So for you, you need to do such and such. But you're not going to find it in the book. I just, I'm just telling you. No. When God put this thing together, he gave us everything we needed. I can promise you this. Most of the time, I'm not going to say just most of the time, all the time that God convicts me of something, he always gives me at least two scriptures that I can look at and say, hey, this is the principle upon which God is convicting me of these things. You say, well, maybe certain things aren't in the Bible that says, well, in fact, think about this. I don't have one verse in this book that says, don't smoke cigarettes. Doesn't say it. 
that's it. That's why when, I, when I've been teaching on holiness, we'll get back to holiness eventually, right? Right now I've been feeling like we need to talk about prayer. And, and prayer is how we solidify those holy, um, holy aspects that God begins to work on our lives about. But there are principles in which we need to build our life upon. You know, it, it doesn't say, thou shalt not look at nasty pictures. But it does say, if you look at somebody with lust in your heart, you just committed fornication and adultery. It also, uh, Job says, I have made a covenant with mine eyes that I will not look upon a handmaiden to lust after her. It's not just everywhere, it's walking. That's, you know, I, I got in trouble one time because I said, you know, it's so bad out there sometimes that, you know, especially at the high schools. When I was taking Reagan to school, I would take her and it would get towards summertime. And the more, the warmer it got outside, the less clothes those girls were wearing. And uh, I just made the statement, I feel, I feel, uh, some days I don't even want to take my daughter to school anymore. And somebody looked at me and said, well, what's wrong with you? That makes me feel bad about you. And I'm like, I don't have a problem. I'm not going to go hit one of those girls up and, and do stuff. But I don't want to see it. It, does, it doesn't bring me pleasure to always have to keep my eyes, to avert my eyes to other things. And so, look, we're all human. Are we not? I'm just as human as you are. And there are things that all of us, as men, we struggle with. I know women do, but I'm just talking, I'm talking to the men. And, and look, I, I've, you know, yes, I believe that we should be living a wholesome life. And, and we got a few minutes here before I need to stop, but I just want you to understand, I'm not here, I'm not here trying to draw lines and, 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 and establish um, outlandish rules, or I don't even like to call them rules, it's just like, hey, look, folks, people don't need to see all of our stuff. If you're married, God bless you. Keep it at home. But I, I, I don't understand, and I've said this before, the less people pray, the less of his spirit abides in them. The more of flesh takes over. And I got plenty of places. I, I can think of three places in the scripture right now that when people were walked away from God or when people backslid there was one thing they all had in common it was their clothing or lack thereof what happened to Peter after Jesus died Peter went out fishing right 
Jesus showed up on the scene, why did Peter jump into the sea? Because he was naked. What possessed him? He went back to his old ways. He walked away from what God had called him to be. And when Jesus showed back up on the scene, instantly when Jesus walked into his life again, he was convicted of how he was. And he jumped in the water to cover himself up. When he came ashore, he was clothed instantly. What happened to, what happened to the demoniac of Gadara? The one that was running through the tombs and screaming and cutting himself. They tried to bind him with chains. The Bible says he was running and he was naked. Filled with devils. But what happened when Jesus showed up on, on the shores of Gadara? First thing happened was the naked man that was in the tombs wasn't in the tombs anymore. He was running to Jesus. He met Jesus. And the demons begged Jesus not to cast them out. And destroy them before their time. And so Jesus sent them to the swine and they jumped off the, the cliff. And then when the people from the city came out to see what was going on, what happened? They saw him clothed, that was the first thing they noticed, and he was in his right mind. Consider with me. Before he encountered Jesus, he was running around naked running amok. Jesus came on the scene. He instantly went to Jesus, was delivered of what was plaguing his mind and his life. He was demon-possessed. When he was delivered, then he was clothed, and he sat at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus taught him. Modesty becomes an issue in our mind and our hearts when we start living for God. Last thing I want to say about all that. I don't even know why I'm on this right now. All I can say is it's not in my notes. I'm just going to leave it there. But I want you to consider this with me. Who gets glory from you showing off your body? Not God. I do, that person does. Yeah. Can I tell you this? Most of the time it's it's ladies that give me fits and talk to me and throw a fit about why am I trying to restrict what they're saying, what they're wearing. I'm not trying to. It's in the scripture, folks, that we need to live modest before God. And so all that being said is I, I had I had a, I had two young ladies tell me one time. You know, God gave us this, so we need to show it off. And I looked at him, I said, so that you can receive the glory for it. Because you want everybody to tell you how, how great you look. You know what we just did? We went full circle all the way back to what kicked the devil out of the, out of the heavens. Now we're talking about pride. I can promise you, you're not going to get into heaven with pride in your life. So it is. With our walk with God. You know, the, the closer we get to God, the more the less we have desire to get people to pat us on the back, and the more we have desire to say, All right, look what Jesus is doing over here, and look what Jesus is doing over here, and look what God did over in 
this situation. And let me tell you where God brought me from. I didn't do this on my own. Brother Tuffy, I don't know how many times you told me before, you know, people would say, man, you've changed. What do you do? I don't how many times I've heard you say, well, God did this to me. God helped me to come through this. And that's what it's all about. When it's all said and done, who is receiving glory for the things that I am doing in my life? Bottom line, the answer should always be God is receiving glory. In fact, he said, I am the Lord. There is none like me. But he also was telling us this. He said, look, my glory I share with none other. Only he receives and if we're, if we're glorifying ourselves, I'm going to close with this, then we are our gods. If we are getting glory, what we are doing is glorifying us, then we have become our own God and put him out of the picture. Amen. Well, let's refresh ourselves. Get ready for service this morning. Let's talk to the Lord here at 11 o'clock. Let's spend some time seeking his face this morning. <clears throat>